The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. In this chapter, again, we meet three groups of religious leaders and and witness their conflict that they had with Jesus. They all had they all had a beef with the Lord. They all had a uh, a reason to, if you would, take up an argument. Uh, they were not asking again questions because they sincerely wanted answers. They were questioning the Lord because the Bible tells us that they wanted to catch him. They wanted to trip him up. They wanted to cause him to stumble. They wanted to embarrass him in front of the people. They wanted to. In the temple, and remember in Luke chapter number 19, for the second time, Jesus cleansed the temple. He went in there early in Luke, and early in Luke, in chapter number 5, he cleansed the temple the first time. The second time in Luke 19, he goes back in, he calls them uh, a den of thieves. He chases those guys out, if you would, again, and he begins to teach in the temple. At the beginning of Luke chapter number 20, we see Jesus right there in the temple. Imagine this, not only did Jesus walk into their temple, if you would, call them what he called them, and uh, begin to, if you would, chase out or purge or cleanse the temple uh, where he did. But not only did he do that, but he stayed there for days. And he taught, and he preached, and he talked to the people, and they gathered to listen to him. And these Jews, uh, these Pharisees, they were so upset, they wanted to, in front of all these people who Jesus was teaching, catch him somehow in some kind of trap to where he would break the law, he would do something that the Word of God uh, said that he shouldn't do. And so they began to ask him these questions. And there's really three questions I want to focus on, and then the fourth one will just kind of uh, be the closing. But the first question that they ask really is questioning God's authority. They question his authority. Look at it in verse number 2. The Bible says here that they spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is it that gave thee this authority? They're questioning how Jesus is doing what he's doing. All the miracles that Jesus did, what authority was he doing them in? Whose authority uh, was he uh, doing all of uh, these great miracles? And Jesus kind of turns it over on, the, on, on its head. They're, they're there and they're thinking, boy, we're going to catch him. Uh, we're going to uh, get him to say something that he shouldn't say. And Jesus, he questions them. He says, the baptism, verse 4 of John, was it from heaven or of men? And notice I love the Holy Spirit because he gives us insight into what was going on in their minds. We don't just have to wonder what these guys were trying to do. The Bible tells us, notice verse 5, they reason with themselves. They said, if we say from heaven, he'll say, why then believe ye him not? Because there's a problem because those Jews rejected the preaching and teaching of John the Baptist. John came and he what? He prepared the way for the Lord. He identified Jesus Christ on the side of Jordan. He said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And Jesus Christ was identified there. Those Jews had rejected the preaching and teaching of John, whose whose sole purpose was to announce the coming of the Messiah Jesus into the world. Those Jews had rejected that teaching. So they were afraid to say that what John was saying was from God because they had rejected that teaching and it would be saying we rejected God they couldn't say that so they said well what if we say the other thing if we say that it was not from God John's teaching then we have another problem because the people accepted John they believed that John was a prophet they believed that John was sent from God even as we understand Nicodemus looked at Jesus in John chapter 3 what did he say "Uh, we believe that you're come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him 
See, Nicodemus believed much like John that God was with Jesus, but he had to come to the place where he believed that Jesus was God, that he was God uh, in the flesh. And here they're asking a question. They're questioning God's authority, and Jesus responds to their question with the question. There's two reasons why Jesus brings up uh, John the Baptist. Uh, and uh, really, the first reason uh, that he brought, uh, brought up John the Baptist or brought John the Baptist into the conversation at all is because of their rejection of that teaching. He had pointed to Jesus and introduced him to the nation, and their rejection of John was actually a rejection of Jesus Christ. The second reason why Jesus brought up John is it's a spiritual principle that if we disobey truth that we already know, that God will not reveal new truth to us. Think about this. John had revealed a truth to them that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And they rejected that truth. And boy, we we need to be sober-minded about this tonight. If God reveals a truth to us and we reject that truth, uh, he's not obligated to reveal any more truth to us. Uh, He doesn't show truth to people that reject truth. Uh, Notice uh, the, uh, the principle here because Jesus said, he said to them, he says, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. He said, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to answer your question because you have already rejected the truth that God's revealed to you. Why in the world should I answer your question? Why should I give you an answer to a question? You don't really want the truth. You're not here to receive the truth. You're just here to cause division. Jesus identified that there. Hey, listen, when God reveals the truth to us, he expects us to walk in that truth. He expects us to obey that truth. He expects us to live in that truth. Boy, we deceive ourselves. Does the Bible tell us when we hear the word, but we don't do what it says? And in the doing of what God's word says, we are showing that we have received truth. Receiving truth means I'm going to live it out. I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to do what it says. It's one thing to say, I believe the Bible is the word of God. It's another thing to leave this place and say, I'm going to live out what the word of God says. So many people say they believe the Bible, but not enough people are living out the Bible. It's in living out the Bible that God's will is accomplished in our lives. We cannot do God's will apart from God's word. And so we understand there, these cowards really had no answer. They were afraid to answer, and so they didn't get an answer. They didn't answer God's call, and so God wasn't going to give them another answer on top of it. It revealed their rejection of Christ. It also revealed their rebellion. Notice the parable that Jesus gives. Boy, Jesus gives a good parable here, doesn't he? He tells them really of their present rebellion. Not just their rejection of God, but presently speaking, those people were in rebellion against God. Those people were those, those men in the parable that God had sent a man to, uh, a servant to over and over and over again to tell them, to help them, to show them the truth. And what did they do? They chased them away. They chased them away. How many prophets had God sent to the nation of Israel? How many preachers? How many teachers of the word of God? Are you with me tonight? I mean, how many people do we see in the scriptures that the Jews had that were sent to them to reveal, to lead them, to guide them, to teach them the truth, and they rejected that truth over and over and over again, and what they found themselves was in that present rebellion because look at the parable. You notice what they said in verse number 17? He said, what is this then that is written, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? Notice he says, he says here in, in verse number 15, they cast him out of the vineyard, they killed him. What are they talking about? They're talking about killing Jesus. 
The Bible actually tells us they wanted to take up stones right there to stone the Lord because they did not believe that he was God. They rejected the truth. Presently, they were in rebellion, and God revealed to them that one day they were going to be in ruin. It's a sad thing when we reject God's truth. It's worse than when we sit in our rebellion. Are you with me tonight? Some people, they reject God's truth, but aren't you glad for second chances tonight? There's been times where we may have said no to God or we disobeyed God, but we have opportunity. How many opportunities did God give Israel to obey him? How many times did he say, he said to them, he said, I would have gathered you in, but you would not. You have rejected, you have uh, put it off. Boy, they, they put Jesus off as not being who he said he was. They accused him uh, of being a fraud and they rejected him and They were about to see themselves one day in a future ruin. And Jesus, in uh, verse number 17, he quotes a passage of Scripture from Psalm 118, verse 22. It's a messianic prophecy saying, hey, listen, I'm the Messiah. I'm the stone. You know, isn't Jesus the rock? We sing that all the time. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We understand that. Listen, to believers, Jesus Christ has become our rock. He is the stone that the foundation, the cornerstone, hey, listen, the stone that the church is built on is not a saint, it's not a man, it's not a priest, it's not a pastor. The stone that the church is built on, the foundation of the church, you're with me tonight, is Jesus Christ. The church is built on the Lord Jesus Christ, and anything else that we would build something on is going to sink, it's going to fail, it's going to perish, so to believers, Jesus Christ is our stone, our chief cornerstone. Notice to the, to the Jews, though, what he became. He became, as the Bible tells us, a stumbling block to them. He said, uh, whosoever, verse 18, shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. They rejected Jesus, so he didn't become a foundation for them to build their lives on. He became a stone for them to trip over. Now, people question God's authority all the time. They question what authority God has to say. On whose authority? Come on today. How many, when you want to make a statement of truth in the culture that we live in that questions everything, if you want to make an absolute statement of truth, the only place we can do that from is from God's word. The absolute truth, the absolutes that we believe, the Bible is the authority for faith and practice. And how do we know, how do we discern in our culture what's right and wrong? I mean, there's a lot of craziness going on in our culture right now. There's a lot of uh, uh, things that are, are going on in our culture right now that the world is saying you need to, they're shoving it down our throat and saying you need to accept this. How do we answer that? Because that's what these people were doing. Their culture had rejected Jesus. They were questioning his authority. How did Jesus answer them? He said, hey, listen, the problem is not that the truth has changed. The problem is that you won't accept the truth. And people that won't accept the truth want everybody else to be in that same position where we reject the truth. The thing is that God doesn't need us to accept his truth. The truth is the truth whether we believe it or not. But boy, we're set free when we, when we believe on his truth, aren't we? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but through the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that we still believe that tonight, that it is through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's not by our works of righteousness which we have done. You know, sometimes I think we kind of make that perception to people that it's somehow our good works that we believe in is taking us to heaven. The truth is tonight, it doesn't matter what you think is getting you to heaven. If you're trusting in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says we're lost. We're without God. Don't reject God's truth. 
The one truth that all of us need to accept and believe is that Jesus Christ is God. That he's God in the flesh, that he came to the world, that he died for sinners. And, and uh, we, uh, we had to accept that truth in order to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the basis when people question God's authority? What is the basis of our answer? It has to be God's word. Are you with me tonight? We have to be able to answer. The Bible says to be ready to give an answer. Come on, all of us have an opinion tonight. We could talk about any number of hot topics that are going on in our culture right now, of trending topics that are going on in our culture right now, and there would be a variety of opinions when it comes to those topics, even among evangelical Christians. It doesn't matter what our opinion is. It matters what God's Word says. And we have to believe that, and we have to live that out. Our opinion, everybody has an opinion. Everybody wants to make a statement today. All of us want to have a well-polished political PR statement about everything that goes on, but here we find Jesus wasn't very politically correct when it came to the truth. He spoke the truth, and he was unapologetic about it. He said, here, uh, listen, this is the truth, and you're going to reject the truth. You're not going to get any more truth until you believe on that truth. We see that they question God's authority. Number two, we see that they question man's authority. It's not not very um, amazing for me to think about that a people that would question the authority of God would question the authority of man. Anybody who would challenge God's authority, on what authority, they said to Jesus? On what authority? On who, by whose authority do you have the ability to teach these things, to say these things uh, that you're saying? When people would question God's word, when they would question God's authority, they'll question man's authority too. We live in a day where, uh, again, people don't necessarily want answers to questions. They just want to question everything. They want to be questioning in their spirit. Notice verse number 22, the second question that they asked. In questioning man's authority, they said, is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no. You know, Jesus knew that the men who questioned him here were spies, but he patiently listened and he answered. Jesus was never afraid of the trap they set up because he was confident in the truth he had. Come on, we don't have to fear the traps that are out there when we stand on the truth. If you're standing on the rock, you don't have to fear the traps that are set out there. When we get off the truth, then we have to be fearful of the traps. There's a thousand traps that are laid out there. Hey, listen, even the psalmist talked about all those snares and all those traps. The fear of man bringeth the snare. If you're afraid of people tonight, you're never going to be able to stand boldly and confidently for the Lord Jesus Christ because we're not to fear man, we're to fear God. And here, here he's, he's, uh, uh, he's provoked, if you would. They're trying to provoke Jesus into answering this question. They're not really wanting to discuss taxes or Roman authority. They're hoping that Jesus is going to offend either the Jews by saying that they need to pay the poll tax or that he's going to offend the Romans that are present by saying don't pay the poll tax. So they're thinking, boy, we got it. The Bible tells us in verse number 20 that they watched him, they sent spies which should feign themselves as just men. These men came to be questioning towards God. They begin to question here. They're not really questioning just man's authority, but again, Jesus's. And they said, is it lawful for us to give tribute? You know, government authority is instituted by God, and it's supposed to be respected. The sad thing is, is uh, sometimes, uh, even if we cannot respect the people in office, we need to respect the office. You with me tonight? 
Jesus respected the office. Tonight, we may not be able to respect all the people that are in the office, but we do need to respect the office because it is a God-ordained office. I'm thankful for the office. It's unfortunate tonight that some Christians have the mistaking idea that uh, the more obnoxious they are as citizens, the more they please God and are a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, God didn't call us in the world to be obnoxious citizens. He called us to be citizens of heaven first, but to be under the authority uh, of the God-ordained authorities that God has placed in this world. And notice Jesus answers them, and they couldn't say anything, but boy, you've, you've answered pretty good there. You've answered well. Notice what he said. He perceived in verse 23 of their craftiness and that they were tempting them. And he said, render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's. They could not take hold of his words. They couldn't capture him. Listen, when we as Christians respect God-ordained authority, they can't accuse us either. But when Christians begin to put themselves in a position where we're not under any authority, and sometimes that's how we uh, can, well, we're under God's authority, so we don't have to be under anybody else's. The truth is tonight, God has given us God-given authority in this world, and we're to respect and to honor that authority. Obviously, in, in, in cases where somebody may be telling us to do something that's disobedient to Scripture, uh, we follow God first, but we understand that God has called us to be salt and light in the world that we live in. And we've got to put ourselves under that authority. When you won't put yourself under God's authority, you'll never put yourself under man's authority. God knows this. And listen, you cannot be uh, right with God and in the will of God as a young person that are living under the authority of your parents if you're not submissive and obedient to that authority. You can't say, well, I'm obeying God and you're not obeying that. We cannot be right in our homes uh, if, if we're not following the word of God. We're, we're, not, we're not right that way. You cannot in this world, uh, disobey all the God-given authority that God's given you and be in the will of God. We have to be obedient to that authority. So there's a question about man's authority. The third question, look at it with me quickly tonight, is uh, the one that comes from the Sadducees. They asked a question, and I'm not even going to read their question again because it was hard enough to read it the first time. They're asking about somebody who was married and that person, you know, died, and they got remarried, and that person died, and then they got remarried, and then that person died, and they got remarried again. I'm not, seven times this happens. I mean, they just laid it on thick. We're really going to stump him. It's kind of like a child uh, saying, what's a billion times, and they're just kind of throwing numbers out there, thinking they're going to really just stump Jesus here. He's not going to be able to answer their question. Hey, listen, Jesus knows all things, and the most important thing about this is he knew their hearts. He knew, he knew why they were asking this question. Here really was a question of God's word. Uh, who was asking the question first? The Sadducees, right? The Sadducees didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in life after death. And they didn't believe in the resurrection. These people who called themselves, if you would, uh, uh, people of the word of God, only accepted four out of the five books of the law. Uh, they denied parts, parts of Scripture These were people who pick and chose what they wanted out of Scripture. And they said, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to obey this part. We're going to believe this part. We're going to throw these parts out. Now, nobody does that today, right? We don't pick and choose and go through Scripture and say, we'll believe certain parts and don't believe other parts. We'll take some of these and we'll take some of these, but we won't take all of this. You know, somebody that questions God's authority and then they question man's authority, it is no surprise to me when they question God's word. They begin an attack and assault on the word of God. Listen, is there not an assault on the word of God today? 
I mean, people don't really believe the Word of God. And here's the other part. It's sad that it seems like Christians are bored with the Word of God. They, they would rather have sensationalism. They would rather have a teacher itching their ears. They would rather have somebody wowing them with a message rather than learning the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, and being able and equipped to give an answer to the questions that the world is asking. The world is asking some questions I think we need to answer. I think there's some people that really want the truth, don't you? I think some people just uh, tired of all the, the lies, the deceit, uh, some of the uh, tangled webs of religion uh, out there, things that are built on man-made uh, principles and laws. And here's the truth. People want to know what is the truth. The truth sets us free, doesn't it? These Sadducees didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe, again, in life after death. And they accepted a scripture only, uh, if you would, the, the five books, rather, of Moses and nothing else. And Jesus pointed out that his opponents were wrong and that their question revealed assumptions that limited God's power. Hey, they were trying to limit God's power. They're saying, we don't really believe that God's able to do things. And here's the answer tonight. There are angels. Notice what Jesus says. Neither can they die anymore for they are equal unto the angels. Notice he knows the hearts of the people that he's asking. He's saying, hey, listen, there are angels. The children of God being the children of the resurrection, there is a resurrection. There is life after death. Aren't those questions that people are asking today? I don't really know if we believe that or not. Is there a life after this life? Is there really a resurrection? You know, Jesus uh, was saying here, he said, now uh, that the dead are raised, verse 37, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not a God of the dead, but of the living. You know, if Jesus is the God of Abraham, then Abraham has to be alive. If Jesus is the God of Isaac, then Isaac has to be alive. If Jesus is the God of Jacob, then Jacob has to be alive because he is not a God of the dead. He is a God of the living. Do you believe that tonight? Hey, listen, we're not going to taste death because we are serving, we are saved by the God of the living. I'm glad tonight to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and that we have hope, uh, not just in this life, but we have hope in the life to come, knowing that there is a resurrection. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Hey, aren't you glad that God is just not the uh, Savior of the soul? He is the Savior of the whole man. He is the Savior of the body, the soul, and the spirit. His spirit quickened our spirit, made it alive again. He saved our soul. And guess what? At the resurrection, we get a new body. He's given us a new body. He's not going to uh, cause us to, if you would, kind of roam around in this world. They're asking all these questions about, if you would, just adding on to this life, that somehow the afterlife is about this life. They're talking about marriage. And Jesus said, we're not going to have a need for that in heaven. We're not going to have a need for these things. You're, you're talking about things that are earthly, and I'm trying to talk to you about things that are spiritual. And they question God's word. Hey, believe God's word tonight. Take God at his word and believe what the word of God says. Not only did they question God's authority, and they questioned man's authority, and they questioned God's word, but lastly, they questioned Christ's deity. Look at the last question that's given here. It's not given by them. It's given by Jesus. He said unto them, Jesus is speaking, notice verse 40, they said, we're not going to ask him any more questions at all. We don't have any more questions. 
Jesus answered every single one. And by the way, it's interesting to notice Jesus answered the Sadducees. He didn't answer them from passages they didn't believe. He went to the five books they did believe. Jesus talked about Moses, and he talked about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Why did he do that? He said, I can take the part of Scripture that you do believe and show you that you're wrong. There's people tonight that you could take a Bible, and they may not believe every book of the Bible, but isn't it great that all of God's Word is true? You can take any part of the Bible and show someone that Jesus is God that he came into this world. He is the Messiah, and Jesus revealed himself there. And notice the real problem here. None of these people believed that Jesus was who he said he was. They questioned the deity of Christ. Notice he said to them, How say they that Christ is David's son? And David himself saith in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore calleth him Lord. How is he then his son? God was, Jesus was trying to show them something. While these Pharisees had this question about David, and they had this question about Jesus, the key question really for every generation and each individual, for our salvation and our eternal destiny is dependent on what we think about Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus is he just the son of David? It's interesting that they called him uh, Jesus of Nazareth, but not Jesus of Bethlehem. You know, that revealed a little bit about them. It revealed that they didn't really believe that Jesus was in the line of David. They hadn't really researched that or believed that, let alone believe that he was the son of God. But the truth about Jesus tonight is he is both simultaneously the son of David and the son of God. And how is that possible? Because Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And that's how the Messiah had to come. That was that messianic promise. They had to realize, hey, listen, not only is Jesus the son of David, but David called him Lord. And why did he call him Lord? Because he also is the son of God. You know, these Jews didn't want personal holiness. They wanted public recognition. They didn't care about a God who could inwardly transform them. They just wanted a religion that was of outward observance. They wanted to, notice what the Bible says about them in verse 46. He gives this last warning about this group. He says, beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers the same shall receive greater damnation. What was Jesus telling us? You know, all the things that we do that we think make us holy do not. And people that really are concerned about personal holiness don't really care about public recognition. You know, ultimately, we have to understand tonight that it is not the outward trappings of man that save us, but the inward transformation that Jesus Christ has made in our hearts. Here's a good question tonight for us all. Who do you really believe Jesus is? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that he's God in the flesh? Because who you think Jesus is really determines whether or not you're a believer or not tonight, doesn't it? What you believe about Jesus. Because if it's just all outward, if you would, outward trappings, and there's been no inward transformation, then we're lost. 
It doesn't matter what your church attendance looks like or how much you read the Bible or how many times you go to prayer. Listen, the Jews made long prayers. The, the, the Jews went to temple. The Jews did all these things, but yet they rejected who Jesus was. Some people tonight are, if you would, they're, they're trusting in what they would write down as their religion if someone to ask them. Say, what's your religion? What are you? Whatever you'd fill in the blank with, listen, I don't even care if you'd put Baptist. The truth is tonight, being a Baptist doesn't make me a child of God. Uh, uh, being part or a member of a church, and I believe that every Christian ought to be a member of a local New Testament church, and I, I believe that every Christian ought to be active in serving God. I believe that every Christian ought to follow the Word of God. I'm not saying that these things don't matter. Obviously, obedience to God is important and, and integral to the life that we have been given in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we understand it's not those things that have saved us. Some people, I think they come to church and they think, boy, if I just, I, I just recently sat down with some folks and they said, well, what do we got to do to join your church? And uh, I, I said to them just plainly, I said, really, it's not really uh, joining the church that's the most important thing. I said, it's really the requirements that are there. The requirements are that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you're a believer, and that you've been baptized. In other words, I'm saved and I'm following Jesus. Now, here's the truth tonight is some of us may claim to in, in, make a claim to membership of God's church. If we're saved tonight and we're following Jesus, then we're moving in a good direction. But if we're just saying, well, I'm good because I'm a member of a church, then we're in trouble. Because it's not just the fact that I have a membership and I have an attendance and I have a participation. It's who you are. Your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's what you're doing with that identity. Because my identity goes beyond the four walls of this place, and so does yours. When we leave here, are we still Christians? When we walk out of the four walls of this place, do we put on, if you would, our religion as we go to temple? Or are we living the Christian life before a lost and dying world who has a lot of questions? Listen, are they not questioning God's authority tonight? Are they not questioning man's authority tonight as we have seen in our car? Come on, all the riots and all the things that we've seen uh, of late. And uh, boy, that's not the only focus, but we see a lot of problems when it comes to man authority, man's authority. But then also when it comes to God's word, I mean, how many shows do we need to see on the television about questioning God's authority, the validity of God's word, and whether it's inspired, and whether it's just man's writings, whether it's just historical knowledge or archaeological evidence, and all these things. Boy, there's young people tonight that are really wondering. I wonder if all the things I'm being taught are really true. Are they true? I wonder, young person, tonight you may have uh, be growing up in, in church, and just like me, I grew up in church, and my parents were saved, and I, I went through the Christian school and all that stuff. Well, it came a time in my life where I had to decide for myself what I believed. Whether I really believed the word of God or not. Whether I really believed who Jesus was or not. Because it's not enough for mommy and daddy. It's not enough for uh, being a member of a Christian school. It's not enough, come on, some of the young people. It's not enough to uh, uh, graduate or go on to a Bible college. Who you are is not all those things. Who you are is what God knows who you are tonight in your heart. And are you a child of God tonight? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because we can't 
go to heaven and, and we're not going to go to the, if you would, the throne and say, God, I, you know, I went to Christian school. Let me show you my diploma and I graduated from Bible college. Let me show you these things and I've done this and I've done that and I've done all that. And God, none of that stuff matters. In the end, in your heart, what are you? In your heart. And boy, how we're living our life really reveals who we really are. The direction that our life is going in. What our pursuits are what our desires are, what our dreams are, what we're going after in our life. Can I encourage you tonight? Pursue God. Pursue God. Go after God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Hey, listen, seek God. They that seek me shall find me when they search for me. God is not just some fairy tale that we learn. He's not just some Sunday school story. He's a God of heaven. He's worthy of our worship. He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life through Jesus tonight. He's not just a reason, if you would, to have a church service. He's a reason to live our lives. He's given us life. And he's given us life more abundantly. And sometimes it feels like, sometimes in life as Christians, that we're just kind of tolerating God when we should be worshiping God. We're just kind of tolerating God's word when we should be obeying God's word. We're just kind of tolerating God-given authority that God's placed in our life when we should be submitting to that authority. We're just kind of tolerating the power of God when we should be wanting to embrace and have God's power on our lives. I wonder tonight if this world could see God's church once again live in the power of God, what a difference it would make in the world that we live in. We need young people, not just in Bible colleges. We need them in every profession. We need them in every occupation. Uh, We need them in every place, every village, every town uh, in this world. We need more people to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not just to do things the way we think it makes sense, but to follow God with all of our heart. That's what God has called us to do tonight. Hey, there's a world that's questioning God tonight. What's our answer? Or would we even have an answer? Is our life an answer enough? As I look in the Old Testament, I understand what a great example Noah was in that. Boy, people thought he was crazy. They questioned what he was doing, and rightly so. Come on, outside looking in, who builds a boat in the middle of nowhere where there's no water? Who talks about water falling from the sky when you haven't seen rain? I, I mean, it was crazy what he was doing. It seemed like he had lost his mind, but literally he was doing the will of God. And painting a beautiful picture of salvation for us, wasn't it? And you know, his answer was his life. I wonder tonight, is our life an answer to the world's questions? Or are we just providing the world with much, many more questions? Are they looking at Christians today and scratching their head and saying, boy, I just got a lot more questions because I look at that and that doesn't answer anything for me? Or do they see us and say... I understand now. I see now. Because we are here to provide an answer. Because there's a hope that is within us. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.